0: Hello, I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, creator of the Incandescent Radio Network, here with my friend and colleague Tony Farmer, host of the Black Lives Matter radio show. We are thrilled you are here with us today, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Black Lives Matter radio show. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of Incandescent Radio here tonight to introduce Tony Farmer, host of our wonderful show and our guest, Dr. Steve Robbins, who is out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, a diversity and inclusion expert and author and entrepreneur. So I'm gonna throw it over to you, Tony, take it away.
1: Thank you Hope and welcome everybody's Black Lives Matter radio show. Tonight we are here with Dr. Steve Robbins. Steve and I met some time ago as we are both in the, have worked in the area of diversity inclusion. And Steve, thank you so much for being here with us Steve. Stevie, we're gonna jump right in. When you and I met and I was able to observe you doing your thing the first time, you said something that was very impactful uh, and I didn't forget it. I want you to talk about it. You said the work of diversity, and I'm paraphrasing here, the work of diversity is lost unless you have the work of inclusion. Yeah. You can have more diversity, yeah. but unless yeah. you don't, unless you work on being yeah. inclusive, you right. may, you, you tend to cause more problems yeah. and more diversity that that you pursue. Yeah, kind of Unfold that for us so that our audience can get a different perspective yeah. on diversity and inclusion work.
2: Oftentimes when you hear those two words, diversity and inclusion, you hear them in that order. I tell people I'm, I'm not a diversity and inclusion guy. I am an inclusion and diversity guy. Not because I value something less than the other, right? It's because the research suggests to us this, if you don't build an environment, a culture of inclusion, diversity actually makes it worse. And and here, imagine a homogeneous group of people. Imagine a group of people who are very similar and they don't get along. Guess what happens when you bring different people into that mix? Well, one of the things we observe is some people who formerly did not get along, some of them start to get along. And guess what they do? They attack the new people coming in. They gang up on the new people coming in. So it's very hard on the outsider, the stranger, uh, coming into that that group. And and so it's a stepwise progression for me. It's like baking a cake. If you do steps three or four before steps one or two, um, then the cake's not going to turn out very well. But all the steps are important, right? And sometimes, because of the way diversity was, uh, was started out early mm-hmm. on in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, we, we, we got this, this idea of diversity in mind, and it's about social justice. And it needs to be about social justice. But one way we measured a, a proxy, an indicator of social justice, was numbers of people in categories. And we never asked why we were doing that. It's easy to count people, right? It's easy to count people. Diversity is about counting people. Inclusion is about making people count. Awesome.
1: I so love the way you explained that. And I remember the audience that we ran was pretty mixed, right? Uh, at the time that I heard this for the first time. And I remember the reactions there and how people's minds started changing. The conversation started changing. And uh, just for the sake of context, it was a pretty conservative audience, yeah. and it was amazing how it shifted my thought, and it shifted the thoughts of people in the, in the organization. How has COVID impacted your work, Steve? Well, it,
2: it's uh, <laughs> I have this now, a studio. No, I, I have this. Fortunately, I was prepared. I had a video production studio in the, uh, before COVID hit because I did uh, videos for my clients. Um, and so I was already set. Um, it's, 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 it's made it kind of easier for me. I don't have to travel as much. Uh, before, I'd be on the road Monday through Friday, be in different cities uh, every, almost every single day. I was like a touring artist. But I couldn't sing, so. <laughs> and so, it's, so I get to stay home now. I can stay home and do this. And, and actually, actually um, it, it has turned out very well. The, the most frequent re- um, remark I get after a workshop that I do virtually, whether it's um, an hour, two hours, or six hours as long, is it went by so fast. We needed more time. Yeah. So it's, not, it's in part the, the technology and the vehicle but it's also in part the people who are in it, not only me, but the people who interact uh, with me uh, during the workshop or meeting.
1: So um, this is going to be a a bit of an unveiling and I feel comfortable doing it because I saw that you uh, sent a release on social media. So I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm so excited to be able to do this for you, Steve. Uh, In 2021, uh, you will be launching
2: Inclusion Academy. Tell us about Inclusion Academy. Okay, so I've been doing this work for a couple of decades. And uh, one of the things I've noticed and has said to me uh, by many people doing this work in organizations is it's very tiring. It's very tiring, right? Very hard. And so part of this work is group therapy for people in Inclusion (laughs) Academy. Uh, So it's it's the CDOs or people in charge of, of inclusion and diversity in their organizations to come meet on a regular basis to talk about their their wins and, and, and their defeats and how to, how to move forward. The other piece is about learning, continuous learning for the people who are in charge of this and learning from a, from a science perspective. As Maybe you can uh, attest to this, I'm relatively unique in the way I approach inclusion and diversity. You've worked with a lot of folks in this field, bringing them to your organizations you've been a part of. I come at it from a science, neuroscience, behavioral economics approach, and, and most people don't. They don't have the background and the training that I have. It allows me to give them a different look, like inclusion and diversity, instead of diversity and inclusion first. And right. come at it with science-based research um, that helps them to understand that, that yes, there's a, there's a huge social justice component of inclusion and diversity, but to do that social justice work well, We have to come at it from from different angles and from different perspectives. One of those perspectives is, for me, is around brain science and behavioral economics. Um, And so it's a year-long and even further uh, academy, inclusion academy for people that I I call tall trees. Uh, Tall trees is, is, uh, my mom used to say to me when I was growing up, tall trees face strong winds. Tall trees face strong winds. Never really knew what she meant when she was saying because I was little. But I picked it up over time. She was kind of saying this. You're going to face strong winds in life. Some of those winds are going to be a, a, a lot about injustice. Be a tall tree, and and I tell people, um, be a tall tree, knowing that other tall trees are standing with you, even though if you you don't see them. They're there with you. And we're gonna be tall trees together in this Inclusion Academy so that we can all do the work together to make this world a better place, not just our org. So it's about, it's about continuous learning, therapy, and helping your organization get better at this work.
1: I love it. I'm sure I'll be a student of yours at some point. Um, I've already learned so much from you so, so far. When we had the immersion of, or i should say the emergence of black lives matter movement over the summer i'm sure yeah. you got a lot of calls oh, sure. um, yeah. when we had the the activities happen on the capitol last week i'm sure you got a lot of calls yeah. tell us how you've been able to use what you do to calm to connect to yeah. give people confidence give people hope that there's a way way forward
2: yeah. So so let me let me use my board here, right?
1: Please. Yes. Um,
2: so let me let me let me way oversimplify what's going on in people's brains. <laughs> <laughs> when something when something bad like January 6th happens in our society, so we, we have this we have this event here, right? And, and and so the signal gets the signal gets passed down to this place called the amygdala. <laughs> it, this is part of our uh, amy, amygdala. This is part of our ancient brain, our, our older brain. It's our fight or flight center. And it processes information a lot faster. It processes information a lot faster than the prefrontal cortex, which is, uh, which is the newer part of our brain. This is your thinking brain. And what happens uh, in a general sense is peop- an event happened on like January 6th, and people go, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. Their fight or flight center launched, and they called someone like me to help them. And what I do is say, hey. Start thinking, so you calm down this fight or flight center. And let's approach this in a way that's thoughtful. And and part of that approach is people want to react to what's going on in our world right now with issues of diversity and inclusion. I, I know why they do. I try to get them to think about, you want to build an environment or a culture so that whenever anything like this comes up, you're prepared for it. Don't just react to what we researchers call a historical artifact. Be prepared. Build a culture so that when things happen in our world—and they will happen—we see it over and over. You're prepared as best you can. So whether it's whether it's uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, racial justice issues, or LGBT issues or political issues, you're you're as best prepared as you can be to address them with your organization. That's the main. That's the main uh, thing I tell people first: is to be calm. Be calm. Because when you're stressed, your amygdala take, uh, takes over, you're you're very uh, narrowly focused on the event at hand. And what happens is we, we don't think about unintended consequences of those particular actions that might help in the moment at that time.
1: Steve, uh, tell us, give us a testimony. Give us a situation where you encountered somebody called you or somebody asked you to come in and do some training for them. And at first blush, you thought, oh, my goodness, this is... This is way above, you know, what I thought I'd be taking on. Give us, give us a good news testimony that you've encountered during your career.
2: Uh, well, I mean, it just—I mean, it's a lot, a lot of it happens. A lot has happened just recently where people, have, you know, these events in our society, and people call me and they'll, we, we, they'll, they'll say something like this: "We need, we need to put a statement out there about where our organization is." And I go, "Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe." And if, if you do put a statement out there, make sure that you can back up that statement. <laughs> uh, because people look at your words and your actions, right? But even then, I bring them back to, we've got to get back to fundamentals. If we want to build, yes, make your statement. Tell, tell, tell society, the public, your constituents, your clients, where you are at on these issues. And make a bold statement, but be prepared to back up your boldness. Uh, but then I tell them, you've got to work on some fundamentals. And the fundamentals I work on, in, on issues of inclusion and diversity, are about being open-minded. That's where you get this on Be Curious. Mm-hmm. The, the great attribute of an open-minded person is curiosity. So curio- uh, open-mindedness operationalized is curiosity. And then the other, the other fundamental is uh, a mindful engagement. Be more mindful, right? You need to be open-minded because close-minded people suck in diverse <laughs> environments. <laughs> Close is, that your, is that your you is that your technical word is
1: is that your academic assessment that there
2: is my, the technical word my <laughs> academic phd suck
0: so
2: write that down write that down i got it i got it <laughs> and then uh so diversity when you have a bunch of people who are represent different perspectives diversity plus closed-mindedness what is the outcome of that that's what we call the United States Congress. That's <laughs> <what>. <laughs> No, no. Diversity plus closed-mindedness, uh, the outcome is usually misunderstanding, miscommunication, and conflict. But you can keep the people the same, but if you uh, help them to practice to become more open-minded, diversity plus open-mindedness is better, uh, people better at adapting to change, the continuous learners organizations that people are better at creativity, innovation, inclusion, and diversity. But recognize, we didn't change the people, we just have them become more open-minded. Mm. So, like in basketball, Tony, you and I like, yes. Uh, yes. like sports, like basketball. Yes, sir. We can't run plays and run a strategy and let us know, dribble and pass. Absolutely. And you have organizations, you can have a great inclusive strategy, but if you can't be open-minded and be mindful, strategy you can't execute the strategy, right? Mindfulness is really about self-awareness. I I should say it starts with self-awareness. So are you aware of yourself, how you process information? Are you aware of others, how they process information? And then that helps you respond in a way that, that helps elevate the group and not just yourself. I mean, I can go into a lot more, but these are the two fundamentals I start with. It's like dribbling and passing in basketball. I love it. You've been
1: doing this a long time. You you started, I suppose, back in the 80s and or 90s. Nice. And now you and now you are seeing what are you seeing as trends in this work? I, you know, based on where you started and as we look forward, what what are we, what are we moving from? I hear a lot of people in the diversity and inclusion space use the term moving the needle. Right, which, which, attributes, which, is, which is an attribution to, we started in one place, we've gotten better, a lot, lot more work to do, but we've moved the needle. From your perspective, based on the work that you've done over the years,
2: how have we moved the needle? We've gotten more aware of the issue, <laughs> how okay. problematic it is, but that's different than being uh, effective at addressing the issue. Okay. Okay. All right. And what I mean by that is we have to go back in history. So the work of diversity and inclusion really got to start in organizations in the United States in the 70s and 80s. The two, the two catalysts for that, at least based on my research, are the civil rights movement and the women's movement. Right? The civil rights movement, the people started about equity and fairness and social justice. Social justice. So think about this, I'm oversimplifying things, but think about this, the work of diversity and inclusion when it got to start was all about social justice. That makes sense? Yes. The problem is some people think the world is already just. Right. And when you, when you present a social justice approach to them, they're, they're the ones in the workshop going, this is a waste of time. Why do you have me here? The world's already just. In, in, in their mind, in their framework of the world, their mind's going, the world is just, if there is a disparity, it's because people, some people don't work hard enough. They don't pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. So the social justice approach is actually still dominant in, uh, in, in the, the approach today. And it doesn't work for many audiences. Um, we still, I don't, again, don't take me as saying I don't think we need to do, th- I think we need to do this work, but we have to know the audience we're working with, right? I come at it from a science approach, and then I can, <laughs> with my science approach, I've been able to open people's minds so that they walk through the door, and then the social justice approach seems more uh, uh, palatable to them. Got you. Right? Uh, social justice approach, we talk about diversity a lot. We count people. How many how many men do we have? How many women? How many people of color? Asians, blacks, uh, uh, gay, lesbian, LGBTQ folks, right? Uh, but that has nothing to do with inclusion. I say diversity without inclusion is just about optics. Include, but inclusion without diversity is just bad optics because you know what? Optics still matter in our world. We still judge people and organizations by the way they look. But we have to bring those two together. We have to bring those two together. We just can't. Filling up categories. I, I cringe when I hear a CEO say, by this year, we're going to have this many women. It's right. <laughs> go, that, that, that's, that's, that's good, but, but you've got to add some pieces right. to that. Why are you going to have this many women? Uh, what's, the, what's the reasoning there? Is it just for diversity's sake? Because if it's just for the diversity's sake and you haven't built the right environment, it's very painful for the women you're bringing in there.
1: Well, Steve, listen, I am a supporter of your work. What's next for you? You've, you've got Inclusion uh, Academy coming out. Um, uh, I have your what if book on my shelf. <laughs> I've referred to it many shameless times. T-
2: tell you what, shameless plug, tell us, tell us a little bit about what if. What if this, what you see is the, the 10th anniversary edition of the book, it's 35 short stories uh, where you learn about family, a lot, most of the stories are true. Uh, true is, are true stories. Uh, so, some of my kids don't like me telling those stories, but that's why they that's what pays for college, right? So, right, right. <laughs> um, so, and, and each story they're only like two to four pages long, easy easy read, uh, and then each story comes with questions, activities to uh, um, to address with within yourself internally or with a group of people. A, an example, the first story of my book is called The Right Environment. Uh, in that book, I talk about a pond we have on our property. Whoever built the pond previously built uh, built it for a certain type of fish, like bass and sunfish. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to put trout in it, and before I made the, the environment good enough for the trout to survive in, because trout need different environments than, um, than bass and sunfish, the 200 trout I put in there died within three weeks. Oh my God, I use that story to suggest that... Even when you want new people in, new trout in, unless you're willing to prepare the environment for them, they're not going to last very long. Not because yeah. they don't have the skills and the abilities and the resilience and grit. It's because you, you made an environment that, that's toxic for them.
1: It, it, the same environment that may uh, help one flourish yeah. may be toxic to somebody else. And it's yeah. really about looking at the holistic nature of the environment right. to make sure that it's, It's palatable to everyone, right? Yeah, Um, Yeah,
2: yeah, cheap cheap on Amazon. Cheap on
1: (laughs) Amazon Prime. And the next time I see you, I'm gonna get a signed copy. That's that's the fact. All right, you got it. So uh, as with all of our Black Lives Matter radio shows, Hope gets the last word. She is the person who came to me shortly after George Floyd was killed. Hope had a lot of questions. Uh, the difference between being open-minded and closed-minded and really opening yourself up to understand. So Hope has been somebody that I have really tried to provide as much information as I can to just from a perspective, um, you know, as a lived experiencer. And Hope has decided to be an enduring ally, (laughs) right? And so uh, she is fantastic. She has done the work and has continues to do the work to gain a better understanding, to see the world differently from a different lens. And so as with all of our radio shows, it is our tradition that she gets the last question. So Hope right. over to you.
0: Thank you very much. And thank you, Steve, for being here. It's really amazing. So I have my last question is to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurship. So in addition to having a consulting firm and working with organizations around the world and being a professor and an author, I, I do love your book and that idea. You also have a production company. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, up until COVID <laughs> with production companies on, on, on uh, kind of. Uh, temporary uh, set-aside right now. But up until COVID, I had five women who, who would produce short stories, um, short films. Um, and obviously, they would also we produce uh, videos for clients. But I had five women because in the film industry, um, even when they had four-year degrees from top schools, male people in film who do the hiring saw them as makeup artists. So I I wanted to give folks an opportunity, in this case, women, an opportunity to show their talents without bias. Um, And the the name of the video production company is S2S Studios. S2S stands for something to say studios, something to say. Everybody has something to say. Not everybody has the ability to to say it or the vehicle to say it, Uh, but we wanted to get those stories out. We're a storytelling company, basically. Uh, and we want to tell people stories that can that can help the world.
0: Well, that's uh, that's exactly what we do here at Incandescent. We uh, help people raise yeah. their voices, and and I love how you're walking, you're talking every aspect of your business. It's really important, I think, for us, you know, an entrepreneur to be able to be what they are in every aspect of it. So you're, you know, we're really impressed and really proud to have you on our show, and we look forward to sharing your your lessons with our viewers. Uh, throughout, you know, as we move forward with the Black Lives Matter radio show. So I want to ask you the last question would be, so what do you see is coming, right? So you're helping people open their minds, be more mindful, and integrate that into how they view the world. So we have a change of administration this week, and we have a lot of tension in the capital right now and around the country. What are you forecasting?
2: I don't I don't know what to predict, <laughs> but I know what I hope. I hope people become more what I call internally curious, or people do introspection. Ask themselves why they believe the things that they believe. Right? Do they believe it because they did some research, fact check, grabbed some third-party independent data, ran it through a, a, a calculus, an algorithm, and said, this is what I believe based on some, some good information? Or do they believe it because they read it on Facebook? <laughs> because a friend of theirs this sound and it sounded good to them when they heard it from their friend uh, they okay I'll believe that they did not any fact checking so I'm hoping we do some introspection keeping keeping the idea in mind that we're in the United States we're all US Americans and we should be standing up for one another um, not divisive see people learn to uh, learn their stories so that you can interpret them better Um, and not see them as the enemy. Some folks in our world would like to portray the other, the person who's not like us, as the enemy. And when the brain starts to see that as the enemy, no matter what the enemy says, the brain, uh, if we're not careful, not mindful, we process that, what they say, as bad information, no matter what they said. That's how the brain uh, tends to operate on an unconscious unconscious level. If I don't like you, it doesn't matter what you say, unless I'm open-minded, I'm going to interpret what you say as bad. But if I like you, I'm going to try to find a way to believe you. I'm going to try to find a way to get on your side. And so, you know, I'm trying to do my part to make the world a better place one at a time, one organization at a time, just get people to be more introspective and open minded with the idea of, um, well, unity, yeah, unity and justice in mind.
0: We give you all the uh, props we can to keep that going because I think we're all trying to move forward in that beautiful way, keeping minds open and hearts open too, right? So Tony, I'm going to throw it back to you to close the show this evening.
1: Yeah. So Steve, tell our listeners, tell everybody who's watching on Facebook Live right now, tell the people how they get involved with Inclusion Academy. How would they contact you? How do they get involved? uh, become a student how do they get enrolled
2: yeah the, the best the best thing to do <laughs> is uh th- thanks for i didn't even pay you to set me up to make a pitch <laughs> you know uh just go to my website www.slrobbins.com and then um and then pretty soon the full information will be up there right now i've just been going to to folks like yourself who know about it my list I haven't made it all public yet because it's really, this won't sound bad, it's exclusive, it's exclusive. It's, not, I, I love it's it. just, because, just because of time constraints and the, the, the people that I'm trying to target so that they have the biggest reach to others.
1: Well, listen, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, whenever you and I get together, I'm always thinking we, we always have these short spans of time to connect, but there's yeah. so much to talk about.
0: There's right? yeah. so much to catch theory.
1: up on. Um, <laughs> but I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a guest. I want to thank you for coming in. And the one thing I love most about you is that you are a teacher, you are an instructor. This is not just about diversity and inclusion, but it's really teaching people how to think differently. Yeah. And isn't that yeah. what it's all about? You talked earlier about the amygdala hijack and how yeah. really uh, people miss out on the fact that you can really program your own mind. You can program yeah. yourself to process information on your terms and not necessarily be convinced to think like others or or to get into right. this pack thinking or group think as uh, it's yeah. called. So thank you so much for coming on and expanding on that. Uh, you and I both know we're going to have a, a longer conversation at a different time, uh, but I appreciate you coming on and welcome to the Black Lives Matter radio show family. We will surely have you back on uh, once Inclusion Academy really takes off. Uh, But thank you again. Uh, Hope, over to you to close this out.
0: Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Steve. Wishing you both safety this week. Uh, We don't quite know what's going to go on, but uh, (laughs) hopefully we'll all hope for the best. Uh, Calm. I like that idea of going to that smarter part of your brain and taking that deep breath, right? Three deep breaths yeah. change everything. <laughs> so you are listening right. to the Black Lives Matter radio show. Tonight's guest, Dr. Steve Robbins from Grand Rapids, Michigan, www.slrobbins.com, and that'll be in the liner notes on all of our articles on Incandescent Radio and Being Incandescent Health and Wellness magazine, where we'll be featuring him and these Fantastic, fantastic interview. So thank you, Tony. As always, you are a wonderful host. I'm so honored to be doing this show with you. And thank you to our Facebook friends. This was so much fun. And we come back every Sunday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern time. So we hope you tune in again next Sunday. Take good care. Be safe. Be well. So that's all for today's episode of the Black Lives Matter radio show on incandescentradio.com. We have an amazing lineup of future guests, just like you heard on today's show. So be sure to tune in for another episode and tell your friends about us so they can listen too. If you or someone you know should be a guest on our show, send me an email, hopecatsgibbs at gmail.com, and we'll be in touch. Again, this is Show.com on the Incandescent Radio Network. We look forward to talking to you. Until then, stay safe and be well.